Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Welcome to your one-stop shop for the swap. Uh, hello, <laughs> I'm Richard. With me to discuss a film is Abby. Hello. Yeah, and that's a lot this time. Uh, it's an obscure film, too obscure for our other uh, podcast brethren who would normally be joining us. I mean, saying that, Anthony could probably uh, snuff it out like a little hungry truffle pig <laughs> looking yeah. for films. Couldn't, uh, yeah, like a little film uh, hunting truffle pig. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um, anyway, we have decided to do the swap, just the two of us, Abby, haven't we? And ooh boy, does it need clarity because there's not only uh, two films called The Swap, there's also a lot of repurposing of film footage, potentially two movies with the same name. Uh, It gets confusing, but I think we can bring clarity for what we're going to talk about. Uh, It was my pick, I guess, Abby, but uh, would you do us the honour of reading out the credits of The Swap The Swap is from 1979. It was written by John C. Broderick, directed by Jordan Leondopoulos. It's about Vito Nicoletti, who gets out of jail after serving 10 years, who tries to find out who killed his brother Sam while he was in prison. Yes, and it is therefore not the 2016 Disney movie The Swap, where a couple of uh, kids swap bodies, Um, I mean, they don't swap, you know, it's a body swap comedy where the protagonists are two kids in school. Uh, I have seen that. It is a toothless, milk-toast Disney pap and isn't worth your time, Uh, and we might take a bit longer to suggest that this is also similar, but we'll see. Maybe we liked it. Is that the one with the guy with the terrible hair, or is that everyone again? Oh yeah, the swap from 2016 is a guy, and it, it, it... the guy has a haircut in it, so at the start of the film, the young man who does the body swapping in the, that film uh, has the most atrocious fake long hair. It look, looks like someone has uh, scalped Jesse Eisenberg uh, and put it on a meek-looking child's head. But he, his brother's cut his hair in the film, and then he looks normal, and there's an element of, oh, I wish you hadn't have cut your hair. And it's like, no, 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 no. You should have fucking cut your hair. But this is just a haircutting tangent we didn't need, Abby. Sorry, you shouldn't have asked. Yeah, but that, not that swap. Eliminate that from your mind if you want to discuss that, or you want to, if you want to hear us discuss that, that's fine. But we're not doing it now. I omitted some information. Oh, you did. I forgot to say that it starred Robert De Niro, Jennifer Warren, Jared Mickey, Terrain Crawford, Martin J. Kelly, Antti Kandota, Lisa Blount, and Sybil Danning. Yes. So one aspect of this, it's a little bit odd, is some of the footage in the swap is borrowed from another film. Uh. And so By there are, the same director, was it? Yeah, at least... Yeah, I think the same writer-director decided to, with canon films possibly, cash in on the fact that Robert De Niro had become subsequently a bigger-named actor than he was when he was in the first iteration of this film. Uh, and was like, oh, we'll just use some of that footage that we've already got and throw it in a new film, and that'll be good, because people like him and have heard of him now. Um, so, you know, maybe it was a cynical ploy to make some money, but in fairness, the first film that, uh, the director made 
was quite obscure and didn't get a proper theatre didn't get a theatrical release, I think, because it was a very, very indie production and anyway, um yeah, the director reused footage from his first film. Or one of the I mean he got there's a new director for the new footage, I think. But the same creator behind both this film, The Swap, from nineteen seventy nine and the other thing is I sometimes referred to as the swap as well, but it was called Sam's Song, not Samson, the brand Sam's Song, and that was from 1969. And um, you know, it's a different film, but they just let's have the best chunks with De Niro in that are sort of interesting, and let's plonk them in a new narrative. Uh, in that these are gonna, these can be flashbacks in my new idea for a film. Um, so yeah, that's 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 kind of what happened. I didn't know that when I watched the swap the first time. Um, it was only upon I think this is like my third time watching it, and I was like, oh god, this bit of trivia, I it's, you know, it was, it was weird, and uh, adds a, a different context to the film that I didn't have when I watched it straight the first time. So that's a factor now for me, <laughs> and will obviously be a partial talking point when we talk about the film. <laughs> Uh, but Abby, this was this is the first time you uh, you've seen this, right? It's the first time I've seen this, yes. But you, you know, you've seen a fair chunk of Robert De Niro's uh, films, haven't you? Um, I've, I've seen a, a, a decent chunk, I'd say. I, I'm no expert. Like, there are glaring omissions, but I have seen a bunch. Yeah, and I think the most of the actors are fairly uh, obscure actors. Otherwise, like he's the main big famous one. This is one of his earliest films, uh, and then it's and then it's not one of his earliest films. It's a, no, this isn't any god. <laughs> the nineteen sixty nine Samsung was one of his earliest films, and then the nineteen seventy nine The Swap <laughs> was still him very young. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, I guess the, there's only one other actor in it who's like f- fairly well known. What's the? You said her name, and I can't remember it now. Who's the the woman who's like in the hat in the car? <laughs> there's two versions of each character as well, because there's the, the people playing ten years on, and there's the people in the archive footage. So, but one one of them was uh, fairly famous. I think in the in the flashback sequences, it's Sybil Danning. Yeah, and she's uh, you know done stuff people might have heard of, not just appeared in Kojak like some of the actors or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like some of them have just had serviceable careers in little films and TV. But uh, the movie very much knew De Niro was the main attraction when you know putting this out there, and it's probably the reason I picked up the DVD. So it worked all that time into the future. It still worked. I found a very thin DVD that said the swap on it, and it had a picture of. Uh, Robert De Niro with a handgun, not a handgun, a, a gun that he's forming from his hand, and then no, like, but not in like a video drone way. Oh right, just, just just finger gun. He's doing your classic point finger gun, like Mick Foley, bang bang, bang bang. Yeah, and there's also multiple. Uh, he's like silhouetting himself multiple times as well. Don't don't really know what it means. Don't know what the title means. Don't know what the poster's trying to say, but I, you know the the photo is at least from the film, <laughs> both films, in fact. Um, so I came across the swap, uh, probably in some sort of charity shop type scenario, and was like, "Oh, what's this?" 
I was trying to watch a bunch of De Niro films because I was a big fan of his. Generally, still am, depending on what kind of dog toilet fucking <laughs> some of the. <laughs> depending on what dog toilet, brilliant. Depending on what mm-hmm. dog, like you know, he does some shit films now, but he, generally speaking, he's got a nice back catalogue. And so I was looking for like new and obscure ones to watch of his, and I came across this, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Stuck it in the old div and went, "Oh, it was, you know, it was." dated and uh the glow like a low quality footage like it's you know it's clearly indie clearly budget clearly old oh yes i was very upset when this started is it the old four by five isn't it i don't know what it is but it's very much you may as well have fallen for like what was the you thought it like you know maybe even super eight level quality (laughs) it's probably a little better than that but uh yeah, they've they've judged it up as best they can and stuck it on a DVD and said, "Look, De Niro when he started his film career, look at this, but buy this for because of him," and that's very much the approach the film took um, in its marketing. It seemed because it was supposedly made without Robert De Niro's consent or knowledge. They just went, "Oh, it's Alpha footage. Let's just fucking use it again. <laughs> Make a new film. <laughs> Fuck it." Yeah, the ethics of this is. It's dubious, but I didn't know any of this stuff. I just watched it. I mean, that's the hope, isn't it? No one's going to care about that stuff. They're just going to see your film, um, and I did, and I was like, "That's this all right?" It's kind of weird, um, but yeah, it is. It's very much an obscure, uh, low quality. I mean, even on the DVD, it was like, "Come on, guys, this is not restored to within its prime, is it?" I mean, I guess it just wasn't shot on a particularly, you know, immaculate camera. I mean, you know, the further back you go. The more acceptable it is that the cameras aren't as good, but uh, oh Christ, they could figure it out in the nineteen twenties. So <laughs> even without colour, I don't know. I speak is when stuff's remastered and all that kind of thing. They go back to the original uh, actual film. film reel, and with celluloid, that's really high quality. It was that previously we couldn't actually watch it the quality of celluloid because the rest of the equipment wasn't up to the task whereas with this whatever they used to begin with just just wasn't good enough yeah it's competently uh shot i think uh, fairly naturalistically lit uh, which makes it harder to see sometimes but there's lots of outside scenes that, that are a bit brighter yeah, it certainly it feels dirty and dingy, almost like am I watching a porn? And then it's actually uh-huh. a film that's about someone making porn. So you're like, wait, what? Um, but it's grimy and old. Uh, and I thought, why not? Why not sling this to the jury? And we'd be kind of off and on. This is always our rainy day. Like, oh, we could always do this. Like, dust it off from our collection and have a chat at. And uh, that rainy day finally happened when uh, we couldn't record the planned episode and blah, blah, blah. Here we are. Finally it rained. Um, But you hadn't seen it. First time for you, third time for me. And uh, the first time where I realised it was also stolen bits of it. The the first time I realised part of it was stolen from the original film that was made by the same person. Anyway, yeah. Recycled footage. Um... I think there is an ex- <clears throat> I think there's an exorcist connection. I believe that uh Jordan Leon if that's his name, 
was a he was an editor he was part of the editorial department on the Exorcist. He was it says here the supervising field editor on the Exorcist. Um, so well done. Got got an Exorcist connection. Uh, Jamie would be pleased if he was here. He's always looking for them, isn't he? Yes, always for you, Jamie. Have fun. Yeah. De Niro's early work is, from what I can tell, all of his early work is he's a lonely weirdo in New York. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. A lot of his stuff was more art house as well. He, like, once he became critically acclaimed, a lot of his films were more mainstream, more accessible. But he was certainly weird guy dicking around in a lot of his films when he was young, yeah. So that's what I assumed this would be. And at the beginning, you thought, oh, that's what it's going to be, because he's all walking around New York all moody. But... Yeah, but no, it's just... <laughs> well, he d- in fairness, he does uh, have a finger gun fight with himself. That's pretty out there. and He mainly just dicks around, waiting for people to... Or hiding... A... I don't know, he's not... He's kind of... Th- the flashback character, so you know, it's definitely he's in it. He's in, he's in it more than a second. <laughs> he's littered throughout, but it's more the case of being a film about uh, a mobster guy or ex-mobster who's out of prison, really. And it's kind of just a modern noir film, isn't it? It's kind of a gumshoe-style procedural detective thing with you know a criminal rather than an actual detective. That's the thing. There's a very sudden moment towards the end of the second act, I think it is, where he suddenly has a voiceover that's all, I was looking at these, but there was something wrong with them. Somehow, he managed to sign for something two days after he was dead. We're like, when did we... When did we enter a Raymond Chandler novel? Yeah, what happened? This is, you know, an, uh, you know, an, uh, you know, he's hardly a philosopher prince, but uh, old uh, Vito, you know, he's a... He's a thug, but he's, you know, methodical in his uh, trying to work out what happened to his brother, isn't he? Like, he's, you know, he's like a basic, you know, he's not, he, he's, he's on his own as well, so he's not, like, affiliated with the mob anymore, seemingly, those were the olden days or something, but he's essentially, uh, you know, a criminal who's, I mean, maybe he wasn't even in the mob, but he's a criminal who's investigating the death of his brother that we see at the start of the film, don't we? Yeah, it was funny that they... They did make reference to that where he was like, "Where you know, where's all the old guys? They're like, well, the gang's all moved on now. You know, some guys are dead. It's just not really a thing now. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's almost, you know, the times have changed. I've come out of prison. What happened to everyone story? The element there doesn't, it doesn't go into that a great deal, but it, you know, it's. It's all right. It has the kind of Blues Brothers bit where you come out of prison and you get given your bits and bobs and you come out into the sunlight and then just get driven around by your friend who's <laughs> who constantly wants to eat something. Yeah, what's his name? Like uh, Joey or something? He's got like a just regular bloke-looking friend who's got a van. Always, he's, he will always take uh, Vito wherever he wants to go, but he's always like, "Oh, let's go back and eat something." Oh, we should go back. You know. We should have supper. You know, we should have lunch. We should have breakfast. For Christ's for Christ's sake, Vito, <laughs> stop taking me on needless errands. I want to have food. It's very nice that you're out of prison, but fuck it, let's have lunch. But Vito is very much, you know, he's got one concern. Find out what happened to my brother. 
and get revenge. That's his end goal. And his friend did try to reform him as well. He was like, oh, you know, they've got some jobs going at was it some kind of meat factory, and he's like, I could take you there tomorrow. Peter's not having it. Like, nope. He's, he kind of like you know he fobs him off kind of yeah maybe like but fundamentally everyone Vito comes into contact with there's either characters uh, implied in the crime in some way so they're kind of like oh look just forget it it just you know he died whatever um, and then there's a detective who pops in every now and again and is seemingly uh, checking up on Vito either because he's on parole or the he's I don't know I don't he's just this mysterious. Uh, police detective who's like, Oi, I'm watching you. Don't get into too much trouble here with this following up leads into your brother's murder. So the, everyone pretty much says, Look, just leave it, mate. It was 10 years ago. Yeah? <laughs> or it was, you know, I think it was 10 years ago. He's been in prison for 10 years, but the murder must have happened in the interim. So maybe it's a little bit less than that. But anyway. And yeah, that uh, stereotypical cop mixing his racial slurs. I was. Oh, yeah, some lovely uh, terms of phrase to have a go at Italian Americans. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, but you know, it's a, it's it's a one-man procedural film, uh, and in a way, it's less artful than like Samsung. I did watch for this, right, Abby? So mm-hmm. I don't want to give like a full all-round review of that, but suffice to say, it was a little dull, and. It doesn't like Samsung is, but isn't like a prequel to this. It's just a different film with a different goal that features some of the same footage that this film uses in a different way. So, uh, but yeah, Samsung was just kind of like, oh, it's a bit boring, and just like literally, De Niro just hangs around with a bunch of rich people in in their mansion and on their boat, like in this film, and. Um, you know, just he, he, like the the Carol characters in it as well, and he has sex with her, and is just dicking around with her most of the time, and it, it's just like oh, okay, it, it, you know, it has just a slight artful air to it, like it's meant to be about something, but it really isn't. It's just dull. It's just hanging out out with yuppies and being a bit shy and being a bit wacky, and then that's it. Sounds dull as fuck. Well, yeah, it just, I don't know, like, it obviously set up De Niro into a, like, you know, someone must have seen him in it and gone, oh, have a career. But uh, fundamentally, it was a fucking meh film. And this, it's not doing anything amazing, but I think the idea of having, like, you know, this thriller, this noir, this sort of detective movie is better than fucking watching people fart around a mansion doing not much and having chats you can't quite make out because, you know, it is a low-quality film at times. Anyway. But the, this, the very start of this film was De Niro getting whacked, wasn't it? Literally. Across the back of the head. Yeah. I don't think he gets killed in... No, he didn't get killed in Samsung, so... Maybe they had footage, I don't know. Maybe they doctored a new bit of footage in there. But it had it had just basically the setup, which was... Uh, yeah, just mooching around New York. De Niro goes into an office and helps... Like, he's basically getting to work editing or working on a film reel or something. And in the Swaps case, it's, like, presumably a porno. and But I think the, originally it's, like, some footage of Nixon with some grapes or something in Samsung. He's not a pornographer, necessarily, uh, originally. But this time he's a pornographer, possibly a porn director, uh, is old... Uh, what's his, his name? Sam, right? He's still called Sam in this. De Niro? Yes, he is. 
and he he makes a brief phone call where you don't hear one half of it. He's obviously talking to the other characters he was with, um, the the rich New Hampshire people. Mm. And basically, all we get is that you know he's settling for working in the film industry, albeit pawn, and he would might perhaps like to be more ambitious and direct, and that's about it. And then he's like killed after arranging to meet someone. And like, oh, he also pops some beers and sandwiches in a little fridge that has a ball in it that says ball on it. Don't know why. You like to ball ball? I like to ball ball. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's coshed and killed, presumably. Well, he is killed, because that's what they say. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, you know, basically smash cut to old Vito, who the story's predominantly about. And, uh... You know, it it feel, now knowing that it's recycling footage, you go, oh, it, that it seems obvious now. But watching it at the time, you're just not really sure what it's going to be about for a while, are you? Really, Fre- when you got fresh eyes on it, you know. I wouldn't necessarily have clocked that this film was made of um, recycled footage, except every now and again there is a scene where, you're like, do we really need that, guys? It's one you wouldn't have elected to put in if you had other things at your disposal. Yeah, you might choose to shoot stuff that's more deliberately relevant. But both, like, so the old footage and the new footage sort of takes its time. It doesn't, it's it's being, I guess you'd call it artful. It's it's not, it, you know, people do stuff for a bit, you just watch them. They don't, they don't have just the important stuff. They have things, scenes play out a little bit. You see people behave in quiet moments. You know, you don't just, it's not, trying to tell you everything you need to know to move on. It's a little more reserved than that, I would say. So maybe it was trying to fit the tone of the footage, but, you know, Samsung was very much like we're just watching people fucking mill around and do stuff that's quite boring. Whereas, um, you know, the procedural aspect keep things keeps things ticking in the swap. Mm. Um, but I like, I kind of like the fact that it's like, oh yeah, what's going on here? We just watch, we just watch people. You're just people watching for some of it, you know? Trying to trying to make out who they are or what they're up to sometimes, you know. Which I don't dislike per se, except because they've used other actors from either they couldn't get the actors back that were in the original footage, or they just decided to use different actors. It was kind of confusing to remember who was who. Yeah, because fair enough, it's ten years on in terms of the story. So I mean, literally, it was as well. Like the new stuff was shot ten years on, but it's meant to be. Vito's timeline is ten years on, so everyone would be a bit older. And we do get one actor who is the same, don't we? Like, oh, what's oh, the name? guy uh, who plays Andrew Moore? Yeah, Andrew Moore, who's a kind of businessman, come like sort of producer or something of movies, eventually. But yeah, he's like uh, he is both. He play, play, plays. He was in the the original film that they're taking parts from, and he was. Talked to by uh, Sam's brother Vito to find out what's going on. I mean, he's, he's, he's a character; he's an antagonist in this film, The Swamp. Mm. But the rest were all, yeah. They fought, they shot it with new, either new characters or like older, new like actors playing older versions of the characters who are in the flashbacks. Yeah. So it, that aspect's confusing. Plus, even f- like The Swamp as is, without thinking about the other film, what was that double cross about? Sorry. What you so this woman in the past was doing this, 
And then this woman was... Why were they... Wait, what? There was a little bit of that anyway. It wasn't the clearest. And I've watched this three fucking times. And I've seen Sam's song now. And I'm still like, wait. Why was this person doing this to Sam and betraying them? And why were they both sleeping with that? What? So, <laughs> so it, it could have been clearer as a film, you know, I think. Yeah, I do not know the blow-off to this. I wait. watched it. I paid attention. I even made notes. And I do not understand the blow-off to this movie. Yeah, a bit, which is a bit like when you're piecing together what happened to your now dead brother. Like, if you're talking to people about what happened, do they tell you a bit of the story? You don't get a full picture. You just sort of maybe can work stuff out. But yeah, um, it feels like the film is deliberately trying to throw in some twists and like, oh, you didn't expect that. And it's like, yeah, I guess, but you're making this from footage that wasn't about that, so don't fuck around too much, stupid film. <laughs> don't be needlessly confusing. I don't know. Let's maybe just discuss each of the characters, and then that might make it easier to talk about the two sort of the flashback timeline and who they who who is interviewed in the present or the the then present. By virtue of the found footage that they had. Well, Robert that's not found footage. It's archive footage from a different the film. The archive footage that they had. By virtue of the archive footage that they had, Robert De Niro's character Sam. Goes on a very boring boat trip with some rich people who are annoying. It's not that boring. He has sex on it and hangs off the board and, you know, stuff. Yeah. I'm in for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And there's this whole thing where, apparently, he's a woman called Carol, who he has sex with on the boat, is trying to get it out of him where he has a very certain pornographic film that he filmed which we later find out has has Andrew Moore in it but we don't find that out until the end all we know is that him and this girl are friendly and that for some reason this woman Erica which is Andrew's wife it's just really funny about it and they they inferred that her husband and this woman, Carol, are having an affair. You don't really get much of a sense of it from stuff that actually happens until at some point Andrew walks into a room with her and closes the door. And that and that's it. it in fairness, in Sam's song, it, it is a bit out of nowhere, but there is... That still happens. The character, whose name is the same, but the, what goes on and who they are exactly changes slightly. But fundamentally, Andrew Moore does have sex with Carol, uh, who has also been having a romantic relationship with Sam. Um, and that also fucks off his wife. But there's also a lot of, uh, you know, we secretly married and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of, like, what? In this film, that you're like, sorry? So when we see the characters later on... Um, <laughs> It's like there's a lot of extra weird shit that's a bit confusing. But yeah, we, the, it's basically Sam, a director who makes pornography, played by De Niro, the two, the husband and wife, uh, rich people, uh, Erica and Andrew Moore, they know Sam already, they're friends with him, um, and I think you know they're kind of New Hampshire rich people, they sort of, you know, quite decadent lives, and they invite Sam to like come to a party or two, one of which is on a boat, where uh, Carol, who's at the party, who's also possibly Carol Moore in this, but maybe not, 
Carol Moore in the original, but Carol anyway is someone that meets uh, Sam at the party, and they sort of romantically hook up with each other. That's that's the basics of mm. it. Yeah, and you know, as far as we're concerned, yeah, Andrew Moore. The the secret is blown now, so there's no point watching the swap anymore. We, we are we are already spoiling it as is our want. But yeah, Sam has at some point directed a porno film. Uh, and there's a big mystery as to what, what was in it that could be so incriminating, what's so important in this film that everyone's out to kill for it. And essentially it's because Andrew Moore had gay sex in the porn, and for some reason Sam, or maybe he was blackmailing him, I guess, but Sam didn't give him the footage, he wanted it back, so he couldn't get into trouble because he was trying a political career. And trying to be the governor of... Yes, and so he wanted this footage of him having gay sex in a porno, you know, in his own hands, so I guess he could destroy it and not have a scandal. And he's willing to kill Sam, but he never gets the the tape, right? Um, and then no, as far as I know, it's still at the film lab. Well, what happened? Well, well, what happens is Vito and and like Vito, uh, who is Sam's brother. Is in prison while all this goes on, and he doesn't come out for ten years, so he, it's, he's not fresh on the case. So he's not like, oh no, my brother's died. I'm gonna. But he's much, much after the fact, trying to find out who Sam's friends were to see what happened on the day he died or before he died. Initially, he's kind of like, well, I just want to know what what my brother was up to because he, you know, he knows he might be talking to potentially people who were conspirators at least in the murder of Sam. But he's so he's interviewing people to like go, what happened. Who can I find out about? How can I meet them? And basically, I didn't want to work out who killed my brother and uh, get revenge or hand him over to the police. We'd, well, he's going to kill him, is the plan. Yeah, so, it, you know, in that in that sense, it's fairly simple. And then I guess the pawn tape that has Andrew Moore in has... I guess he was in the possession... Like, Sam, when he was uh, murdered, unexpectedly, <laughs> that film reel was in his mum's house. And then his mum died, I think. And the mum's possessions were all given to a priest who sort of dealt with it because uh, Vito was in prison. And the priest held on to the belongings that he hands over to Vito when Vito visits him out of prison. That's what happens, right? The, pos- the Along tape... with the money from selling the mum's possessions because they had to empty out the apartment when she died. Yeah, so I guess as far as Andrew Moore, who's trying to become a politician, he's murdered the guy, failed to get the tape. Anyone else who's in on the crime has also failed to get the the footage. Uh, and it wasn't swapped at any point, which I found frustrating. I don't know why the film is called The Swap, nope. other, other than they swapped in some footage from a different film. But, uh, you know, there's not even a wife swap in the Sam song. Like, it's almost a wife swap, not quite. I, I honestly can't. I fucking don't know why you'd call it that. In fairness to the Disney film, it more deservingly should be called The Swap than this. I mean, it is, but, you know. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, it, it's weird. Like, the, the murder happens, and then no one succeeds in finding the footage because it's just with your mum, and then the mum dies, and then that sits around... It literally sits around in a priest's house. Uh, until Vito gets his hands on it, and he doesn't know the value of it. He just uh, he doesn't even know necessarily that his brother was a pornographer. He knows that he was trying to be a film guy, and he knows he was killed in what was 
the police call a botched break-in or something, isn't it? Like they, he, mm-hmm. someone. That's the the line as far as they're concerned. So, yeah. But yeah, this, uh, do you want to tell us what's in your notes, Abby? Just what was the first things Vito did and got uh, got involved with? Oh, the graveyard. Yes. Where he. <laughs> That's that guy with the hose that just tells him everything that he wants to know, gets the money, and then goes, yeah, old man and forgetful. She yeah. walks away. <laughs> it's funny how money makes you forget when it's stuffed in your top pocket. I love that. That's classic. Classic yeah. mob style doing things. I tuck money in your pocket. You don't talk to anyone. Shh. <laughs> While he's talking to the priest, he has the wonderful line, I pray to God there is a God. Good line. Yeah, because essentially he sees the priest because it's like his one connection to his mother and brother, I guess. It's a Mm. priest from back in the day. There's maybe some mob affiliation within the priest's background. But he basically gets the skinny off the priest as to what happened. And it's just, yeah, we had the funeral. It was nice, yada, yada. The the graves are here. And that's his only lead, really, is, you know, we know where the graves are. Um, Really, he hasn't got anything to go on other than that. Like so, but you know, he, he wants to repay his respects, and his friend Joey's willing to oblige, even though his tummy's rumbling. He does find out about a woman who comes to put flowers on the grave fairly often, who turns out to be a porn star that isn't referenced in the flashbacks at all, and you're not sure why she's relevant even in the present. <laughs> yes, yes, the old uh, Andy Zaltzman looking uh, groundskeeper at the graveyard is very helpful because he is just watering some grass in the graves. Uh, in the graveyard uh, that Vito is uh, visiting. And so he's like, oh, do you know, you know, he basically quizzes him for any information. Like, I think he's just like, oh, do you know, like, this particular grave with the, he says the family name, and it's like, I mean, there's no fucking way the maintenance guy has any, oh, he does, he does have information (laughs) about that specific grave. Weirdly enough, he knows that someone visits it it all the time, as you say. And uh, just some sexy woman who comes... Uh, how often does she say she comes? I think he said she comes every Thursday, something like that. Very, very regularly enough to be able to, you know, wait there and meet her, which is mm. what he decides to do eventually, isn't it? But it is very—it's very lucky, really. It's quite quite a good lead based on nothing, other than where your brother was buried. But yeah, so this this girl, you know, obviously she. Wasn't in Samsung, so she can't appear in any flashbacks continuity-wise. That's not a problem, but it's, you know, you'd probably want some footage of that, right? If you were making it legitimately with footage from, like, you'd have footage of her, wouldn't you? (laughs) But then I think this film is going on, uh, because the the odd thing about this young woman, she's a young, attractive woman, and if she was around 10 years ago, she would be about 13 or so. They established that. And then you're like, wait, what? You were dating, you were going out with Sam or seeing Sam, but you were 13? <laughs> or you were at least in his pornography movies, and you go, oh my Christ, we've made De Niro into a, like a child pornographer. No wonder he's pissed off about the film being reused. <laughs> I don't know if that was the point, but like, essentially they've they've turned Sam into a... I mean, I get it, like in the 60s and 70s, you would have underage women appear in porn. It's not... Mm. that uncommon. It's uh, CD is all hell and awful, but it's like possible that a pornographer would have underage girls in his films, right? And she liked him. She was in love with him enough to come to his grave or something. Is that right? 
I think it was something like he didn't want to put her in the pawns originally, but she was desperate for money. Right, right. And she was in some real trouble. Yes. So he let her in the end, and she was really grateful. But we don't have any flashback footage of that because uh, a it would be disgusting, and b it would it would like just that kind of puts you into the mind of oh so maybe the scandal that people are willing to kill over here is some sort of secret paedophilia. That's what I thought it was going to be. Oh, they made a porno and one of them had sex with a minor. Would have been that it was right there. Sense. Yeah, but no, gay. That's just as bad <laughs> being gay in a porn. Um, but yeah, so it's it is odd, um, but it's explicable in that they didn't that that fucking character didn't exist in Samsung, and if she if she had, it would have been weird. I, I don't. Do you think they might have wanted like the direct making the new further? Like, oh, we have to have a young, attractive actress in it to fall in love with our protagonist for some reason. Um, so she, she falls in love based on nothing. Yeah, and there's no children in the original film that we can rob and put in and explain away. So. Uh, I guess this'll do. She'll be a porn actress or something. I know, it does seem a bit odd, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, so she's the first uh, interviewee, isn't it, really? And she's reluctant because... Oh, no, she's not the first. He actually finds uh, one of the characters who is in the archive footage, but played by a new actress now, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, she's um, in the present their present. Yeah, I think book publisher, but she wasn't. So is that is that Erica Moore or is that like who else was there? Carol Carol. The, which one's which? Like 'cause I 'cause they're different actresses playing different people. <laughs> Play the same people played by different actresses. So like um so before Vito meets this young woman mm-hmm. he does interview someone else, right? It's the woman with big glasses. She's a book publisher now, uh, but who is she from the from the like flashbacks? A pretentious woman in a car with a hat. So that's Erica Moore, right? That's the hus- That's the wife of the husband and wife who invite Sam to their house. Yes. But she is no. Is she like I? Not quite clear. Is she with? Is she separated from her husband now, or there's a lot of like in the present they're divorced. He married Carol. Right, right, right. Okay, and so she's a you know explicably, you know, not that in the know about the goings on of her husband now, perhaps, but she does invite a flashback so we can see Sam meeting her and you know basically going on a car ride to their house and going to a party that she invited Sam to, isn't it? Is there some sort of she was romantically interested in Sam, or is that just a subtle implication, or not there at all? Um, I thought they were going to be swingers or something, but um... yeah, the swap—that was exactly like they swap. Why? Like you know, it would have made sense if like Carol and De Niro are a couple, and then the husband and wife are a couple, and they swap wives, and that creates a tension. Anything would have made sense of it. So many options, and yet no. So, the book publisher lady, she has big glasses now, different haircut, is ten years on, fair enough. I can buy that she is a woman in a red hat talking to De Niro about some philosophy garbage. The whole thing is the people who live in the Ham- the people who, you know, live in Hampshire and are rich are kind of boring and uninteresting. I just have party like parties with loads of people they don't know that well. 
but they just have a nice pool and a big house so come along De Niro and you know just hang out with us we're friends because reasons so she just recounts some of the meeting Sam isn't it and that just facilitates the fact we use some footage from the other film. Oh, look, there they are talking. And the one thing De Niro does that's kind of interesting. So once he's kind of shy at the party and doesn't mingle very much. And oh, we haven't mentioned his amazing mustache and hair, actually, Abby. I feel like we should take a little pause in the conversation. <laughs> oh, how about that mustache and hair? Indeed, there. Indeed. Loving the, like, De Niro's old moustache and the hair is just like it just sort of a little bit too thick it just it makes him look like he's in disguise as someone else you know but then that's what I associate early De Niro with just being yeah I guess because King of Comedy and well not Taxi Driver so much but like uh, what else is I don't know he didn't have moustaches that often maybe it's just King of Comedy because we looked at that fairly recently He's a similar... He's, he's young and vi- vi- Not vibrant. I guess he's young and full of energy in this as well. Like, he's got a kind of... Like, he plays a lot in this film. Like, he's just mucking around a lot. Anyway, the one thing that I thought was kind of funny about the footage they use in the flashback of this party is De Niro's shy, and he eventually gets called out to come and mingle at the party. And then there's this vacant wheelchair that he just pops himself into, and then he kind of rocks up along the... He wheels himself along, you know, incredibly close to the pool edge. I could never have gone so close in a wheelchair. But he just wheels himself about and just, I don't know, pretends to need a wheelchair for a bit. And that's how he... I'm not sure how I feel about that as a character thing. It's just what it was in the original film as well, just with no reason. He just did it in both of them. He just fucked around in a wheelchair, and they pretended to have a war injury as a kind of lark or something. And that's how he meets Carol in the party is just being in a wheelchair, fucking around. But it, you know, it's just weird mucking around, which De Niro does a lot in this. It's mainly what he's there for. But anyway, that's enough of a flashback from uh, our first interviewee. Uh, who, what else happens? Oh, she, no, he Vito's a bit uh, more, you know, questioning of her, isn't he? Mm. So anyway, Vito finds enough out to be getting on with, and then he, you know, he basically waits around in the graveyard with Joey. Uh, D- Joey does have food, right? They go back and have beers topless or something. And one ha- of the, he, Joe, they go back to Joey's apartment. He's sitting around topless in his jeans, having having some. Sandwiches or something. Some bologna sandwich. Something like that. Yeah. And then Vito's in his pants and a shirt. Or like a suit open. jacket or something. Yeah, a jacket open. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, just two bros hanging out, five yeah. feet apart in their pants and stuff. And um, that's when Joey gives him the gun that he asked for. Oh yeah, he Joey, kind of reluctantly does that. Yeah. Joey again tries to put him off. He wants Vito. And not to be criminal so much. He's such a good friend. He is good. It is a shame because it is just like, oh, look, I'll give you the gun that you wanted, but uh, you know, you could get this job and you know, just maybe move on. Revenge, you know, is it that important? It won't bring your brother back, etc. and so forth. But yeah, no, Vita's not having it. He's gonna go and hang around in graveyards like a goth, um, yeah. and just just basically wait for this woman that he uh, accosts in the graveyard who visits his brother's grave. I did. I did like that he walks up and is just like, "Hey, um, 
Yeah, he tries to make conversation with her and and she's like, Will you go away? And she basically just runs away in her car. And I was like, Yes, you fucking would too. People are far too good at getting information out of people in films. I like that she just it's creeping a graveyard. Goodbye. Creeping graveyard goes back to a car, pulls a knife, tells him to fuck off, more or less. And then she drives away. He finds her via her number plate, because they know someone who works at the DMV. Yeah, and he basically turns up at her house and, uh, you know, asserts himself into uh, getting information off her. But he does eventually explain, like, oh, I'm Sam's brother. And she's like, why didn't you say that? It's like, you didn't give me a chance. Because you just fucking rocked up out of nowhere, so I trying to get information out of me. <laughs> you mad bastard. Mm. I think I'll fall in love with you by the end of this film, though. <laughs> Weird. Uh, but yeah, she, she's the next person interviewed to give some more like info about what happened to Sam in the last few days of his life. Um, she just obliges at the doorstep, right? And then he he asks for a lift afterwards as well. <laughs> that's kind of weird. I feel like that's like a 70s into 80s thing. What do you mean? Where you could just ask people for lifts. Because nobody had mobile phones, you could really be fucked over for not being able to get from one place to another. So they would be like, can you give me a lift? Yeah, my lift's gone. Say yes. Yeah, the guy who the guy who helped me find your house had to go and do his fucking job, and I had to wait out here like a fucking stalker for hours. So now I just need a fucking cadger lift off you. Yeah, yeah, it's got that. It's the whole Vito. Really, he he hasn't got you know he hasn't got anything. He hasn't got anywhere to live. Really, he's staying with Joey, and then he he needs to go like to a motel and book in somewhere to stay there. He's got like a limited funds from his like mother's possessions that have been sold so you know he re- he's got lots to crack on with but he's, he's you know doing it while also trying to find out stuff about his brother's death so he's you know so i like that I like that he's got two things going on investigation oh shit i do actually need to sleep somewhere and get lifts around town i literally have nothing no car no house nothing else to do no one else to see um yeah so what uh, information can Vivian provide for Vito? Uh, your brother made porn. I was in them. I, I was, was young. young. It was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I weirdly go to his grave all the time. <laughs> Haven't moved on either. But he's like, he, he kind of he has to force himself. He gets quite like uh, you know, argumentative. He's not buying the full thing, is he? Yeah, they have a very odd exchange where he explains... She's t- She tells him to fuck off again. He's like, look, wait, if you give me a chance, I'll, I'll tell you I'm his brother. And so when he fucking said that in the first place, then she tries to still be a bit evasive because she doesn't really want to tell anyone that she was doing porn when she was 13 years old. Fair enough. But he does say the immortal line, you're a bad liar, baby. It's written all over your face like egg. Like egg. <laughs> is it the word egg is written on your face, or she, or the the truth is written on her face like egg? It's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a weird a the way he says it, and b like what does that mean? It's egg on your face is a different mean is a, has a different meaning, doesn't it? <laughs> but apparently the truth could be also written on your face like egg. <laughs> so it's like oh bless this little mafia guy, he's trying to be all Raymond Chandler again. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was a good line. And an odd line. Shortly after that, he goes back to his hotel room and has two different intruders. The first one being a cop and the second one being someone who tries to kill him with gas. Yes, the motel, which he goes back to. After someone breaks into your house and tries to gas you, 
he still goes back to the same room, the same hotel. He doesn't think, oh, I better check. Someone knows where I am and they're trying to kill me. I'll be a sitting duck again. And I think, yeah, he gets... He gets... Someone tr- tries to gas him to death. Uh, and he gets roofied and left for dead, doesn't he? Like, he got Christ's yeah, sake. Carol, try- Carol tries to seduce him to get the the film, which worked out so well the first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She roofies him, the apartment. So, Vito's next port of call is a fancy house up in the hills, uh, or above some high above the coast somewhere. Uh, and he is looking for, uh, yeah, Eric Moore's ex-husband, um, Andrew Moore, who is also the other person who invited Sam to their party, I guess, and is involved in this whole sordid tale, and as we as we know, is in a gay porn film, <laughs> and is possibly, you know, a, a dubious sort. Um, the reason this is a bit weird. Normally, in a having read a bunch of Chandler novels and knowing the kind of thing that they're looking to emulate here, it's weird that you at no point meet whoever he presumably did this gay porn with. No, I mean it. Was, I mean it could have been Paul the Val. The kid's a houseboy or valet or whatever. Paul who answers the door and it's like, <gasps> like there's, there's a heavy implication. Without clarity, that Paul, the guy who answers the door, is a you know is the lover of uh, uh, Andrew Moore, mm-hmm. and also you know he's like his his housekeeper, but also could be the 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 guy trying to kill him all the time. Like there's a lot of m- murder attempts that may or may not be like any one person. So it could be Erica Moore is doing some of the killing. It could be that uh, Andrew Moore is doing some of the killing. It could be Paul is the sort of hired hitman gay lover of Andrew. I don't think we get any definite confirmation because I don't think Vito knows who's killing him all the time. He just finds out who the ultimate uh, cause of Sam's death was, right? Mm. I, I don't know if we're all if we're meant to assume that uh, Andrew Moore is the murderer in all cases, but it's implied that his wife is in on it as well, or Carol is at least. Fuck, it's confusing. Maybe yeah, Carol gets. Carol is in on it, and both Carol and Erica get murdered in the in the you know in the film. So yeah, but so Paul opens the door and he's this like taken aback slightly, and Vito like you know talks his way in to have a chat with uh, Andrew Moore, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy is actually in both films. So hooray! Hey. Continuity. You're going. Oh, he's a bit older. His eyebrows are fundamentally the same. Oh, it is him in this flashback. Good. That'll make it easier to tell who he fucking is. But he, you know, he essentially, you know, what what, what is the flashback? It's just more footage of like De Niro hanging out with him. That was one of the ones I think, which was particularly suspect, where it was lit. lit you cut back to Sam in his bedroom. He looks for something on the bed. He finds it. He goes outside. Yeah, there's a lot of just... You are... I mean, in fairness, Sam's song is really full of really boring, pointless scenes as well. It wasn't like mm-hmm. they were putting them to good use. But De Niro does just sort of get invited to a room with a bit of blue furniture, <laughs> puts his bag on the bed and is like, oh, lock the door. I'm just going to wank off or cut away while I lie on the bed. Or He just hangs out. He's like this loner guy who doesn't want to get involved. We basically find out that Sam wasn't that interested in being at this fucking party <laughs> that ends up getting him killed. 
Um, I guess the the, the pawn is the thing that did that. I have no idea why he agreed to go to this party to begin with. Well, I think the original reason was he just was friends with him, and they're not trying to extort him. There is no blackmail. That's why. So that's a bit confusing. But I don't know. Because he should act like a blackmailer, shouldn't he? If he's holding this footage as like uh, as blackmail, he should be actively being a blackmailer. And if he's not aware that it's a big controversy, it's a it's an awkward retcon, really, isn't it? That's the problem. Mm. Uh, but as is, when you watch it the first time, you're like, "All oh, right, what's this about?" Oh, he's just sort of knocking around in the house. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it seems odd. It does seem odd. Um, but yeah, all you know. Okay, saw your brother hang out with a few people. Good. That doesn't really help old Vito out, does it? So he has to keep pursuing his clues, doesn't he? Everyone's potentially hiding something, and they all are. But um... oh, this this is this is the most controversial part of the film. Do you think? He goes back to the motel, finds a woman on his bed, melts himself a mayonnaise and peanut butter sandwich. What the fuck? I assume you're annoyed at the peanut butter sandwich with mayonnaise in. <laughs> yes. And he basically says, oh, I've been in prison, I've been working one of these for ages, and you go, fucking hell, mate. He said, like, oh, that's the real crime and punishment right there. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, don't go to prison, they won't put mayonnaise and peanut butter in a sandwich for you. <laughs> Fucking hell! I mean, that would be the torture, wouldn't it? What the fuck's that? I mean, I can't, I can't say I've ever tried them. Not a big fan of peanut butter. Oh, me was fine. Like, <laughs> what do you think, Av? Would you give me a go? I don't know. Don't trust the fictional characters' food recommendations. Thank you very much. No, I, I disagree with almost anyone who makes stuff with mayonnaise instead of butter. Yeah, that's an American thing. I think we tend to pop the old margin butter on bread rather than mayo. But yeah, peanut butter and jello, that would be the classic, right? Not this guy. But yeah, who's the woman in the, uh, waiting for him in his motel room? That is Carol. Is Carol. And so Carol, we find out through flashbacks, was the woman that Sam hooks up with. So De Niro's able to muck around and charm his way into the knickers of this attractive young blonde woman who's hanging out and is... Friends, but not very close friends with the Moors. Um, in the film, it's almost like a mystery as to why she's at the party. They don't really know her much. She's, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't watching properly. But, yeah, essentially, they just sort of gad about on the beach and go for a walk. And like the, My favourite bit of the film and the poster image is De Niro's just sort of walking the dunes with her. And they sort of chat in. And he's like, oh, this reminds me of a French film. And then cut to like De Niro pretending to have a gunfight with himself. So he's like, there's multiple like shots of De Niro shooting and then shoot. Like it's not just he's one shot of him shooting and then pretending to die. He's sort of it's shot as if he's actually shooting multiple versions of himself. But he's having this epic gun battle where he's like shooting guns and falling to the ground and crawling across the dunes and peeping from behind like bits of Flotsam and Jetson, you know. He's having a right old time mucking around on the beach. So yeah, Abby, did you enjoy this? Uh, like, did Hero basically play around to amuse Carol and then rolling into her lap and be like, ah, oh, you're so silly. It made me wish that De Niro was in this film more. I mean, I think the director wished he was in the film more. He was very much like, oh, I basically made you. Oh, I can't afford you. I guess I'll just use footage of you and pretend you're in my film. I could have watched the whole film of just De Niro, like, basically doing the Battle of Algiers on his own. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what. He was like, oh, the, the film really touched me. And then it's like this insane war movie with killing people. It's like, yeah, I'm sure it really spoke to you on a directorial level, Mr. Porno. Um, but yeah, uh, that's all we really get from Flashback is that Carol and uh, Sam hooked up a bit and were hanging out at this party. Uh, but for, you know, it doesn't really tell Vito that much. He He is also pursuing the film footage now, is that right? Yeah, that's why he was down at the lab. He got a sense that there was something going on with the film, so he took it to be developed. So he's dropped it off, and he's just got killed some time until it's developed for him. Yeah, he like uh, goes to what is clearly not a film lab. It's just a door, like a fake sign of a film lab on a door somewhere where they were shooting. But he does, he talks to the, the one of the, like people who deals with the foot, the film footage and basically talks to him and finds out how how watching the footage works and basically tips him to have it ready sooner, right? That's basically it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, do, I do like some of the natural dialogue. I mean, the whole film is reasonably shot. Like, they, there's a thought put into where the camera goes, a little bit of movement from the camera. Just Like, even though it's, like, cheap and dated, all the new scenes that they they make and are, and are performed... It does feel like, oh, this is like you know worthwhile stuff. Like, it doesn't feel like completely like cheap and needless. Mm. They were definitely doing a story about Vito finding out stuff and getting into trouble. Let's think, if they committed to more of that noirish tone earlier, might have enjoyed it more. Yeah, I, I almost you're almost like you want to say, don't use the old footage. Actually, hire new actors and make your flashbacks more relevant. Um, but I guess that doesn't—it's not a cost-effective way to cash in on the stardom of De Niro, is it? Who knows? Uh, yeah. So that the, the film gets handed in, and again, there's no film swap. No one like the murderer doesn't turn up and swap the film out, and they, there's not a red herring. God, just fucking make the film make sense for God's sake! It's so so close to having a logic inside it somewhere. Yeah, what 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 happens else? What else happens to your daughter? Abby? Bring us. Uh, it's confusing for me because I fucking watched the, the footage in two different contexts now, so I, I do get a bit lost as to the swaps path because I watched uh, Samsung just as a bit of research. Uh, I just want to give quick props to him saying Scout's Honor and flipping the bird. Who does he say that to? Oh, it's one of the women, isn't it? Like, he's like... Yeah, uh, I promise. She's got him... A, she picks him up from the film lab. has got him at gunpoint. It's like, you're going with me. She takes him away, him away from the film lab, which is where she actually needed to be, but she got doesn't it. know. Yeah. Fucking irony. And then she gets some information out of him. He says Scout's Honor, flicks to the bird. Yeah. They have a little kerfuffle with the gun and she ends up shooting herself irony again mm. he, Vito goes to see uh, what's her name Erica the publisher she gets shot through a letterbox intrigue <laughs> it's got much more action the Samsung was very fucking farting around <laughs> having boring conversations I do, I do like the new tack of we need some fucking people being shot and, and struggling with guns and stuff, you know? Mm. Cheap as it is. I don't remember who... Someone shoots Vito, but it's not like a 
it's not a killing blow immediately. He manages to walk around for a while. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it does kill him, but, uh, you know, he basically gets... The, the, the assassin gets the drop on him off-camera. We, we're, we, we're not off-camera. We, we don't see the assassin, but it's just... It's quite, you know, it's it's effective. It's, it is a bit bizarre, because he goes back to confront Erica, and just as she's about to give the pertinent piece of information, or maybe say or do anything, she is shot to death at her desk. And then uh, Vito has to go after the killer, and there is a bit of, like, searching corridors and running after the killer. But basically, yeah, he, just, he gets, you know... The, the assassin has the advantage of being ahead of him and shoots him in a corridor. And, like, Vito manages to get some shots off that hits no one, I think. And then cut to him going back outside and meeting with the young woman who he's been making friends with who wasn't in any of the fo- uh, old footage. Mm-mm. But we, we glossed over a little bit the fact that Carol has uh, a big part of... She gets more involved with Vito and tries to, you know... She sleeps with him... And drugs him, and holds him a gunpoint at a cliff face. There's a lot going on with her, really. You don't think so? None of her stuff makes sense. So you just wanted to skip. We can't. Glo- no. We're still in the film. <laughs> she has some sort of. She she at least in the past was in some way trying to manipulate Sam into sleeping with Carol or something. She was. There's a like a lot of ambiguity. I don't fully understand the explanation. I agree that with you that much. But she is very proactive in the present day. She's fucking sleeping with Vito for some reason, then drugging him. Or did you think she drugged him and slept with him, or just drugged him and he passed out and she ransacked the place looking for the film? The only thing I know for certain is that she gave him a hypnol or something like it and ransacked his apartment. Who did what after that? Who fucking knows? Yeah, well, he wakes up in his pants or whatever. So there's like, unless the film was, I don't think the film was on him. So she may sleep with him to get him passed out quicker. I don't know, but but she does. Yeah, you you pointed out the irony of her taking him from the film lab. I mean, come on, love, you're at the film lab. Think about it. But she takes him. Why do they go to the cliff just so she can get shot somewhere they could shoot? I don't know. Confusing the word shoot and shot there. The t- the film for filmmaking. They can shoot on a cliff. But they do, they go to a cliff to, like, to explain some shit and maybe have a flashback. But fundamentally, you've pulled a gun on a guy who's been in prison. He can wrestle a gun off you. And does. And, you you know, she gets killed in that kerfuffle with the gun. But, like, I, I, yeah, I do think the cow stuff was a little confusing. And because the footage is just... The flashback stuff is just, oh right, De Niro slept with her on the boat, but then also maybe the uh, Eric Moore did as um, Andrew Moore did as well, right? So I don't know. The film could definitely be be clearer, but maybe it's because it's working with stuff retroactively fitting it. That's the problem. They could have done a worse job of jigsawing this stuff together, but it was just not. It just it lacked very key things to just help the audience along it's not that you can dispute it but it was just difficult to go along with it because the cues weren't there yeah it kind of uh, creates a bunch of characters who are in the past with Sam who are vaguely incompetent then because they now that Vito's looking into it they're getting more concerned that he has the film 
or knows about it, but he doesn't know that much. And so people pulling guns and trying to kill people is much more... Like, if you've, you know, uh, been in a pawn and that's going to ruin you in some way, that's bad. If you've killed Sam to try and get the pawn and you want to cover that up, that's bad. But introducing more kidnapping and murder, you're just going to create more crimes to have to cover up, really. Maybe mm. just let people find stuff out and steal the footage from them just at the, at the key moment, rather than pulling guns and trying to shoot people through letterboxes. Mm. I feel like there could easily be a sequel where people investigate like other people who died in this. Someone else comes out of prison. <laughs> goes, what happened to fucking... Carol or Erica or Vito. I go, I'll go and ask what happened, and then we get loads of flashback from the swap, which in in in, in itself has flashbacks from Sam Sam's song. I don't know. Anyway, we were heading quite quickly there towards the 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 end. There, you did quickly cover some points that I dragged us through the mud again. Quick, in the last, once he knows what's going on. The, the film the film is crucial. It's what people are after. And that he's literally been shot over it, so he wants to find out what it is about this film that's so important, isn't it? Yeah, so he goes back to Andrew Moore, they have... Andrew's having a bath. Oh, no, wait, they, they, he has to view the film first, right? But, yeah, they're viewing the film, and it's actually some really good... I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm watching a film acting. Yeah, I like the, the guy who... The, the film engineer guy clocks the bullet wound as well, and is like, I mean, that Nothing comes of it, but it's just like, oh god, it, it's it's setting up you this idea that this guy's fucking gonna die. Like he saw after the answer to the question, he's willing to like not see medical help. You know, like, he saw embroil. He saw because uh, in in a way, it is a classic the folly of revenge story. Because it's a guy's given loads of like a police officer keeps bumping into him and giving him extra warnings not to get too far involved in crime or he'll put him back in the slammer. So this police guy comes back more than once. The guy's, like, gassed by an assassin and is saved at the last moment by, like, uh, uh, Vivian, is it, coming back? Mm-hmm. And So this is a guy who is risking life and limb to find out the answer to who killed his brother, and he's too obsessed with it. Like, he could have saved his life and not got into so much trouble if he could just let it go. Um, sad as that is, so it is the the folly of revenge. So that's kind of a nice thing about it, is it is a tragedy in a sense as well. But yeah, they what they we have this nice scene as you say, uh, where basically yeah, him and Carol find out that it was a gay. Oh, they basically watch the film go. It's a gay pod with Andrew Moore in. My goodness, please don't show it on camera because that would be dirty. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, just straight to Andrew Moore's house. Then I'm going to kill you, you bastard, for being the reason my brother's dead. And you know, it does annoy me. We don't clearly know who the assassin is. We just know that you know Andrew is the one who wants everyone dead. Actually, yeah, I don't know who did any of the crimes in this. I I sort of justified it as being Paul in my head. This like the lover and housekeeper. <laughs> Of, but, but that's not made clear in any way. It, he has a gun on him, so he has like a sight. We see the silenced or uh, suppressor on a gun that, that actually does shoot Vito. So if that's what uh, Paul gets from behind the bar when he when Vito turns up at the house, uh, you know, it would make sense. He basically kills Paul straight away, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I feel bad for Paul because he done done anything. Apart from possibly being an assassin. He tries to pull out a gun on a man that has a gun. Yeah. I think that is justified. He's having gay sex. That's no crime anymore. <laughs> I know, Paul's dead. I don't think he even got lines. That's sad. Oh, he said, like, yeah, fucking come in and stuff, probably. <laughs> but then what I like is, like, he's shot to death in this guy's house. It must be sufficiently big enough a mansion for uh, Andrew, who's currently having a big soapy bath, to not hear the murder. Because he's just, like, caught shot in the bath and basically... Uh, begs for his life and said he's, he says he's got like I could pay you anything you want, and then Vito's like oh, I'm shot. I've seen the gay porn. I want to die. <laughs> Sorry, I mean I want you to die. Kill, kill, bang, bang, douche. Proper actual gun this time, not a handgun. <laughs> yeah, he just fucking shoots uh, Andrew in the bath, and then as a kind of uh, end of midnight cowboy moment in the car with Vivian, who's like fallen in love with him in the space of the film somewhere I didn't quite catch how that could have happened other than a man meets you in graveyard you pull a knife on him and run away he forces himself he forces you to answer questions at your, the front door and then you give him a lift to a motel maybe sleep with him at some point and you're in love right <clears throat> easy to be in love with someone who's dying in your car <laughs> you're not going to have to spend that much more time with him she does, she does that classic, oh, it's fine, we'll we'll run away and we'll we'll get away from all these crimes we're caught up in. And we'll, we'll be fine. You're going to be okay, you know. <laughs> no. Is that you just have to say like a couple more hours, and with every word she said, the more you were sure he was going to die. Yeah. So, you know, Joey was probably the smartest one there. He knew that when you come out of prison... Get get lunch. You haven't had food for nice food for ages, and get a job. Get back on your feet. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like Joey. I like I don't I like that he just hangs out in his jeans without a top on, <laughs> drinking beer and eating bologna sandwiches. And he's got he's the right he's the good man. And the priest was kind of right. The priest was like you know, just chill out, mate. The old days are behind you. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you want Sam's death to be avenged, I guess. But uh, it was more trouble than it was worth, is what the story sort of shows, I suppose. Yeah, there's a great sense of um, needlessness. But in a sort of sad, tragic way. Yeah, in your, in your classic like thriller, everyone's going to die sort of story. And the only character that lives is one they made up for this film. <laughs> All the characters they made up live, I guess, apart from Vito. Yeah, it's weird because essentially Sam's song is just a bunch of uh, like a, a, a budding director splicing footage of Nixon gets invited to a fucking couple of parties and hangs out and you know seduces a woman and then fucks off and uh, leaves the board party because things turn a bit mm. <laughs> and then you know in that in the in Sam's song. Well, one of the characters in this is already dead. So at the end of the film, spoilers, uh, uh, Eric, uh, yeah, Erica Moore, who's a bit huffy because her husband started sleeping with Carol in, in that film, she just ditches Sam at the side of the road and then gets in a car crash. So she can't be in this film because she's fucking dead already. But um, you know, to take a story about people milling about and doing not much. And try and use it in a thriller. It you are making it more exciting, but it doesn't Lego fit together quite right. 
So you end up just with a kind of questionable... I mean, what the fuck was the point of all that? (laughs) Suddenly all these innocent characters who weren't blackmailing and sleeping with each other... Well, sleeping with each other a bit. All these normal rich people are suddenly evil Columbo villains (laughs) who are all trying to kill each other. It's an odd... It's an odd retconning, isn't it? Yeah, no wonder De Niro was pissed about it, though. It's like, you made me into a pornographer of underage women. I think it probably wasn't so much about the content. It was literally, oh, like a film company I worked with at the start of my career have just reused footage from a different film that I got. You know, he was probably quite happy. He read the script and appeared in... Samsung. That's he signed up for all the actors did that with that intention. The success and failure of that film doesn't really matter to them so much as you can't just fucking reuse the thing and you surely have to pay me or like have me agree to you to use it again. It does you know, it's just the kind of complete ignoring of him. I think a similar thing happened with Clancy Brown and Highlander too. They just used footage they had of him. And yeah. Permission, they didn't pay nothing. So there was, there was supposedly De Niro did either consider or was cross and was gonna sue, but you know, you know, ten years have gone on and it's basically the the start of his career escalating greatly. He probably had bigger fish. He probably had bigger fish to fry. He probably was like, I, I, you know, we can only speculate on what actually went down. But fundamentally, like, oh, gives a shit. I'm a successful actor. It's not like the director. Has loads of stuff, you know, and he's produced things, and he. But there's no, it's not like some successful person who's had like, who's used like he. They were cynically using footage of a successful actor again to make some money. That's the point of it. But it was cheap and it was cheeky, but really it was just like, oh, oh well, you know, really it's not that big a deal. So I guess that's why it didn't end in a massive lawsuit. When it could right, rightly have done, you'd think, wouldn't you? Like it would be fairly easy to go. Oh, you can't just reuse footage without repaying everyone. Re, can't just fucking recast and shoot some new shit and use the old shit and wreck on everything. And it's like, well, you did make the original one, I guess. That's the only thing is, it's the same filmmaker. <laughs> so it was in a sense, it is his, I suppose. It's just a weird, but all that didn't play into it for me. It was just, oh, this is a weird little procedural noir thing with some like really young De Niro footage and so you know a lot of the actors are doing a good job it's very naturalistic there's a lot of plus points to both the old footage and the new I think it has a nice kind of the meandering has purpose in this film the swap is more engaging for me like Samsung was just fucking dreary I Mm. wasn't interested but this one you know it's more mainstream and it clips along a bit better but it it feels gritty and real and uh, it's a little more you know good because it's trying to be something more mainstream I think mm-hmm. what did you know what did you feel about the swap um, in overall points for effort didn't quite make it but I guess it's fine it's it's interesting it's like a little look see at these actors before they were huge thing like oh like Jennifer Warren you know she she was in Night Moves with Gene Hackman I think she was in, like, Slapshot. Uh, you know, she's been in a load of films. Some of them I haven't seen. A bunch of TV. So she's quite successful. I mean, she's a, I don't think they were banking on her being a new star, like, in the same way that they were reusing De Niro's stuff. But, you know, 
there's some good there's some good acting in it and it's uh, even in the newer stuff it, it it goes beyond this is a cheap indie load of shit like it, it, there's a trying even though it's rough around the edges and very very mm. dated and yeah and you know they got moxie to do what they did with that footage yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> you may as well though if you if you're you know you know if you haven't rocketed the same way as Daenerys you'd be like you'd want a piece of that pie you'd, you'd be like oh it's fucking this prick he did my film and he gets all successful where's my fucking endless accolades and movies to direct I don't know I'm sure they they all probably do all right to the people involved more or less everyone's everyone got work didn't they like I don't think there was one big bitter person necessarily just a bit cheap of a film production company to be like yeah. Reuse the footage. Fuck it. Wasn't that good? Didn't even get released properly. Fuck it. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I don't know metaphor-wise. The film didn't have a swap in it, as far as I can tell, of any variety. Uh, they, because it, you know, they would, you know, for the swap to work, they would have to swap the footage. They'd have to put some footage back into Samsung <laughs> from now for it to be a swap. So I don't know if the swap is an appropriate metaphor. Um, but I don't want to. Have you got any thoughts on how we can metaphorically finish off the podcast? I'm trying to think. I know the kind of thing I want to say, but I can't think of something specific for it. Well, I kind of got one, uh, I guess. So if I if I go, you have a little more time to think. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's like the trend of upcycling now, where you take a piece of old, worn out antique tat. And you strip it back and you give it some new stuff, new sparkle, new fabric, and you sell it for a profit to a new uh, person. But it's like you've upcycled something from someone else's house. So you've gone, oh, do you remember we gave Robert De Niro that uh, big armchair? Yeah, do you think you'll miss it if we break into his house and steal it and upcycle it without him knowing? He won't miss it. He barely uses it. He's got a massive house with loads of other furniture. He's not going to mind if we just take this thing of his and fucking strip it back and create something entirely new. So they've took like a nice antique chair and they've revamped it into a dirty, exploitation-y sex chair. <laughs> like, oh, look, child pornography chair. No, no, but they've, upcy- they've upcycled an, an older property and they've resold it, repackaged it. And it's successful. It, it got it sold to this bidder. Um... Mm. You know, and then you can understand why someone would be like, hey, I didn't know you nicked that from my house. Well, you didn't miss it. Well, fuck it, that's not the point. <laughs> so it's got that feel to it. It's like, oh, that's I like what you've done. Oh my God, where did you, where did you get this from? That's not on. That's what, It's got that feeling. That's how I felt about it. Oh, at least that's what I feel like has happened. Hmm. I liked it. I did like the swap. It's stay. It didn't go. Oh, that was a waste of time. And I throw that away. Wish I hadn't picked it up. I've, it slid in, annoyingly thin as it is, into the DVD collection, in mm. between Suspiria and Swingers. Just so you know, listener. But yeah, Abby, did that give you time to get get clarity on your metaphor? No. Mm. No, it's. Mm-hmm. It's a bologna sandwich when you've been putting it off all day. <laughs> no, it, it's like that page in the exam paper where it's a page and it just says this page has been left unintentionally. This page has been left intentionally blank, and that's how I feel about some of the scenes that they put in because they had them, not because they needed them. Yeah, they very much from watching Samsung, they picked some of the more curious and amusing scenes. It was like, oh, look, De Niro's fucking around on a beach. 
Oh, look, De Niro's, like, setting up shop in the editing room. Oh, look, uh, De Niro's fucking around in a wheelchair. All this stuff's uh, good. Oh, people having sex on a boat. That's fun. Look, these characters, they could be implied to be doing something else if we rewrite the narrative. So, yeah. yeah. So the blank page aspect. You're saying that in an exam, obviously, the blank pages are there intentionally. But what? what so what, how does that work as a metaphor, I, I guess? Well, it's just like, the exam is perfectly serviceable in and of itself. It does what it's supposed to do as an exam. But you just get to that one page and you're like, what? It's odd that you did this. You could have just not done it. You could, you, know, you could have filled up this with some new material, but no. <laughs> I guess it's the, the fact that, yeah, I mean, it, that's functional, but it is questionable hmm. of just referring to the blank page as a blank page. And sort of drawing yourself, draw, it sort of draws your eye to the oddness a bit, doesn't it? Like this film, the flashbacks feel odd, but you like you don't necessarily think about them if you don't know the backstory. And it's probably the same with the play. Like, okay, I kind of assumed it was blank. I didn't. I wasn't going to stick like stick my hand up and tell teacher the exam is missing more questions. What do I do? <laughs> that's that's a blank page, Janet. So you can just fucking leave it alone. It's also. Uh, an oxymoron as well. No, right. not an oxymoron. It's a paradox. Oh, because it's not blank at all, is it? Yeah. It's got, got words on it. So, fuck you. Yeah, there's something oxymoron about this film. Certainly more moron. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I want to take all the footage from both of them and, like, right, we can do this. We're going to make the film that make, make sense. It can make more sense than it did. <laughs> We're just going to reuse the footage. I'll shoot some more. I'm I'm very much gunning for a sequel to the swap. Sam's the swap song. So, Sam's so swan song. Swan swan. No, I'm already bailing on it. No, I. Yeah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I've decided. I'm not going to steal the footage and make my own film from it. But I'd watch it if the director was still or if the director you know a was still alive or b had done another one where he reuses it i'd, I'd watch that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i watched de niro with his youthful looks and his little mustache time and time again that's uh, and that that's probably why they made the film cuz fuck it he's a watchable bastard isn't he anyway nice dusty old obscure film on the podcast this week uh Next week, oh, could it be even more obscure or far more mainstream, or would we just just have to tune in or click on the appropriate tabs on your website pages and find the out? The phrase "tune in" gets further and further and further away from being understood. Well, all of this, like, oh, you mustn't like when people make podcasts, they say "tune in next time," and obviously you don't tune in, let alone the radio these days. It's a bit like, well, you know, you call a fucking the screen on your computer, like, open a page. Oh, it's not paper, is it? Why would you call it a page? That's the English language view, though, isn't it? We just recycle them fucking words. Can't think of new ones. Everything's recycled. Nothing is original. Get used to it. That's my overall message in general, actually. Anyway, catch us for another podcast in some way, somehow. Or look back at the archive. We got archive footage or audio that you can stroll, you know, listen to and use however you like within reason. Anyway, I'm babbling. 
Goodbye.